Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Today we light the first candle of Advent, the candle of hope. We put our hope in the one to come, the promised one, who comes from God to bring good news of salvation. We hope in the one who will lead us to walk in the light of the Lord. On this day, we remember to hopefully look for the coming of Christ. Our reading today comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. The day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah as the good things I have promised them. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name, the Lord of our righteousness. Let's pray. Draw near to us, O God. We choose in this moment to focus our attention on hope, the hope of Jesus Christ and all his coming represents for suffering people the hope for restoration of all that is broken in the world, the hope of new life and resurrection. Hope is the light we wish to see by. We wait in hope for the Lord. In Christ, all things are made new, and we look forward to the day our hope is fulfilled, each heart reconciled, the work of Christ completed in all the earth. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. All right, I'm going to uh, read our scripture lesson today from Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. <laughs> Every woman's dream, sorry. <laughs> Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple, but she stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and, and, jo- Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Let's pray again. So Jesus, we thank you uh, for this room, and I thank you for this people, and I thank you for a first Sunday of Advent. And so I pray over the next few minutes that you would meet us in our waiting, that you would meet us as we risk hoping together. We just ask, Chad's been asking this a lot, we just ask that we would have a new experience of you in this season. Uh, We love you. We are glad you're with us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Um, a few years ago, um, my parents and Daniel and I and my brother Drew and his wife Molly uh, all took a trip to New York City. It was sort of a dream. Like, uh, um, we all got out of town. Although, at some point, I realized, like, if things go bad on this trip, everyone who would have my kids is together, which is, like, a scary thing to think through. Um, but uh, we, we got away to the city. It, it was wonderful. We ate too much, all, all the things. Um, but uh, one of the things we did before we left is we were like, it, my parents, or my mom had never been uh, to New York before, and my dad hadn't been in years, and so we were like, what does everybody want to do and see and eat and, and whatever? And um, we all replied with the things that we wanted to do, and my mom uh, replied with only one thing. She was like, the only thing that I want to do is uh, go to the Today Show. And she was like, like, have you watched it? Like in the Today Show, there's like the crowd of people standing out and the people come out and they wave at everyone. They have the posters and whatever. And my mom watches the Today Show like every single day. And so she's like, that's what I want to do. And so we're like, absolutely, we'll, we'll go to the Today Show. Um, but unfortunately, on that trip, uh, we went during the Winter Olympics and it was like the one week that all of the hosts of the Today Show were in, I think it was South Korea at the time, um, were all at the Olympics. And so no one was there. And so we're like, oh man. Man, you know, sorry, the one thing you wanted to do and we can't do it. Um, but, but we went back. Uh, in 2020, my mom and I went with one of her best friends and her daughters and then my mom and Molly and I went to New York for a girl's trip. And again, I sent out a text and I'm like, what does everybody want to do? And where do you want to eat? And what do you want to see? And all the things. And my mom has the exact same reply. She was like, the only thing I want to do is go to the Today Show. And so I'm like, well, you get a redo, right? Like, of course. So we're like, absolutely, um, which is, it, this is really wild. I was thinking about this. We came home on March 1st of 2020. Isn't that crazy? I can't, mom would remember, I can't remember if it was like when we, um, the first case of COVID on the East Coast was, I believe, while we were on the airplane, or the next morning, the next morning, we found out about the first case of COVID, which is bananas, uh, and we were all one trillion percent sure it was us, you know? Um, <laughs> So uh, anyway, so we're there. The only thing she wants to do is go to the Today Show. So we're like, absolutely. And so we get there. And like the day before we're leaving to get there, they make this big, huge announcement on the Today Show that morning that because it's so cold in New York, they're going to spend a week in Miami. And so they're all going to go to Miami and they're going to get really warm while we're in New York, not going to the Today Show. Round two. And it's just like becomes a practical joke at that point. So uh, this fall, our, uh, Daniel and I take the boys to New York for fall break and uh, my parents come with us. And again, my mom was like, one thing, man, I just, I really want to go to the Today Show. And we're like, 100%, absolutely. So um, the whole fall break, it was funny. I was feeling really bad for everybody who went to the beach for fall break. And then all of you had the most perfect weather that's ever been. And all of the hurricane rain went to New York where we thought we were getting away from the rain. Uh, so it rains like every day, all day long. And then this one morning, I think it was our last, their last morning there. They were going to fly home a little earlier. Um, the, 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 like the, the rain breaks and the sky is kind of okay. And we're like, today's the day. And so we show up, we go, we get to the Today Show. There's like a little desk uh, where you can check in and they like let you out in the little plaza or whatever. And so we go and, um, and mom's checking in. And that's when we realize that you have to have vaccine cards and an ID uh, to get in. And my mom and dad are really responsible. So they carry such things with them. And meanwhile, I was like, oh, I don't even, like my wallet's somewhere. 
you know, like, I hope it's not in someone else's pocket, but it's probably back at the hotel. I don't know where it is. And so I'm like, oh, no. And so they're like, oh, okay, we don't have to go in. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, you've got to go to the Today Show. Like, you go in. We'll go back and try to get all of our stuff or whatever. Like, you go in. And so they get checked in, and they're walking, and they have, like, the um, the roped-off things, like a corral, so you, like, snake through. And they're walking through the corral, and as they do, the sky is just, like, open, and the rain starts falling. And I'm like, oh, no, but, you know, they do it in the rain. And the next thing I know, I see this, uh, like, intern or PA or something slam her laptop down, and I just hear, we're closing her up. And I was like, no, no. Like, I just look at my mom's face. It is the saddest, like, like, I made it to the corral. Like, it's right there. And they're like, they're not coming out. Today's show shut down on the outside. Like, it's over. And so today, my mom, she sits in this room, um, having never seen the Today Show be filmed, despite multiple trips to a city she barely even likes. <laughs> she just wants to see this one thing, and yet her hope is deferred. <laughs> and she sits in this room, and she waits. <laughs> uh, for the next four weeks, <laughs> we will wait alongside her. <laughs> Not for today's show, um, but for something else. Uh, for the next four weeks, we will join churches uh, all over the world and all over our county and our state and our area um, and sell a, uh, in, in like an intentional um, uh, season of, and rhythm of waiting. Uh, that is what Advent is. That's what the season of Advent is. Advent is a season uh, about waiting. Uh, we follow the liturgical church calendar here at Springbrook, and some of you grew up maybe in churches who, who did that. Some of you didn't. Some of you didn't grow up in church at all, and so I just want to talk about the calendar just for a second. Um, the church calendar started around the third century uh, as a way for uh, the, the church to set aside Sundays as a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And then it has evolved over time into sort of like a system of seasons and rhythms for the whole church all over the world to follow together. Uh, the seasons that we follow in the church calendar are Advent, uh, Christmas Tide, Epiphany, Lent, Holy Week, Easter Tide, and then Pentecost leads to something called Ordinary Time. And so for the first half of the year, uh, the, the church calendar, the focus stays really consistently on Jesus, on his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. And then the second half of the calendar year, uh, it begins with Pentecost, and it's like this intentional focus all over the church on the rhythm and the mission and the calling of the church all over the world. Uh, that's why if you were uh, uh, around this spring after Pentecost, we launched right into a sermon series we call Try because we're starting to talk about our mission, like why we exist uh, as the church in the world. Um, there's a writer named Tish Oxenreiter. Uh, she's an Anglican writer who's wonderful. And she says that the cycles of the calendar, the church calendar, mirror in many ways the cycles of the world. In the church calendar, there are seasons of sowing and there are seasons of reaping. There are seasons of feasting and there are seasons of fasting. There are uh, seasons about birth and life and death and resurrection. Uh, the calendar year uh, for the church begins today. Christy Robinette and I were talking about this um, outside as she was greeting. Today is sort of like New Year's Day for the church. This is the beginning of our calendar year. This is, this is our New Year. So happy New Year. I know you just say turkey, but like happy New Year. Um, so today begins the first season of the church calendar, which is Advent. 
And Advent um, is one of the oldest traditions and practices in the whole church. Um, the earliest that I could find, you might be able to find something else, but the earliest that I could find um, of any sort of Advent celebration was uh, like the, the late second, early third century, where this writer named Origen talks about um, this like nativity celebration that was happening in Bethlehem uh, to prepare people to celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. Um, by the 6th century, Pope Gregory had begun to set aside four uh, masses during the Christmas season that would lead up to Christmas in order to intentionally turn the eyes of the people of God toward the birth of Jesus. Meaning, for almost 1,500 years, the people of God have spent four weeks turning their eyes all together toward the manger. It's one of the things that I love most about this season. Advent, it, it binds us together with followers of Jesus in this room and all over the world today. But it also binds us with followers of Jesus for the last 1,500 years who have had these practices and who have lit these candles and, and done readings. That is no small thing. It is no small thing for uh, people all over the world to do something every year for uh, over a thousand years. If this puts it into perspective, uh, the first recorded Olympics was a hundred years after the first recorded Advent season. Advent is in its practice this communal rhythm. It's a, a communal act, a together thing that we do. We all together turn toward the manger all at the same time. Uh, I know that coming to church every week is tough, especially post-COVID. Like, this is my job, and that's why I'm here every week. Um, but, and I'm not trying to shame anyone at all, but I think if there's ever a time to come to church four Sundays in a row, it's Advent, because Advent is something we do together. It is communal and relational. It's a together thing. Uh, and it's a good practice for us. I've said this before. It's, it's easy for us. Um, a lot of times I feel like in the church, I, I heard a lot about how a, uh, the church, or the, a relationship with Jesus was about Jesus and me. But if we read the scriptures, following Jesus is very much not just about Jesus and me. It's partly, but it's also about Jesus and we. Following Jesus is a communal thing. It is a relational thing. It's a together thing. And Advent is a practice and a rhythm of us learning how to wait together. Uh, I read this morning that Advent uh, reminds us that waiting is not a detour in the path of following Jesus. Waiting is very much part of the formation of our souls. And Advent is our season to wait. And we all, we all bring different things into the season. That's why we need each other. Um, some of you, you, you saw these, these reading cards and there's scripture on them, and some of you will read every single scripture on these on the day that you're supposed to read it. You'll probably read it the same time of day. And some of you already put your gum in it or threw it on the ground. <laughs> like we all bring different things to the table, and it's okay. Some of you had a wonderful year, and you show up as someone uh, full of joy, and some of you had a horrible year. And you show up, we, we bring different things to the table. Some of you will wait patiently and with contemplation. And others of you are me and you've never been patient about anything in your entire life. We bring different things to the waiting. Uh, some of us in this room, we believe that what we wait on is the most true story to ever be in all of time. And some of us are hanging on by a thread. 
We have a hope of belief more than we have actual belief. And there's room for all of us in this communal waiting. We wait together because Advent, it's, it's for waiting. So here's how we'll do it uh, around here. Um, if you want to pull out these cards, um, every single week we are going to look at a different, there's a different theme for every week. These are universal across uh, the whole church, hope, peace, joy, and love. That's what uh, most people who, who follow the church calendar are doing. But every week what we're going to do is we're going to pick a character uh, in the nativity story. Or they're, they're real people, but like a real person in the nativity story. And we're going to talk about them every week. And the way that the scriptures work is the scripture on Sunday will be what we read here and it will be about the person that we're going to talk about there's a psalm every Monday to read and then the rest of the verses will be either about the person we've read about or about hope or love or peace or joy or, or those things and so if you want to we would love for you to follow along um, however you can um, and read along with us um, it, uh, it, that, that's sort of our goal is we want to do this together this is a way that we could communally um, experience the season uh, together so um, as I said, every week we're going to look at a different character. Today we started with Anna, and we started with Anna because uh, what we read today is her whole story, and her whole story is one of waiting. Uh, I want to kind of set things up for you the, of what happened before what we picked up and read today. Uh, in the verses above uh, what we read today, we learn that Jesus' parents have brought him to the temple um, very, very early in his life. And they've gone to the temple uh, to follow a Jewish ritual. And the ritual was this, that on the 41st day of a baby's life, uh, the, the family would go to the temple so that the mother, um, who had become ceremonially unclean through the birth of her child, could be made clean uh, in order to return to the temple. Now, I have a lot of thoughts on that as a woman, um, but I don't have time for all of those this morning, so you can like hit me up on Twitter, and we'll just go crazy, us and Elon, and we'll just go crazy. Um, but here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to respect uh, a tradition that is not our own tradition, okay? So the tradition of the Jewish people was on the 41st day of a baby's life, a woman who had become unclean through the birthing process could be made clean and return to the temple. And that's what Mary's doing. Mary has shown up with her family to the temple to be declared clean. And in order for that to happen, a sacrifice has to be given. That was the Jewish system uncleanliness demanded a sacrifice so that a person could be clean again. And so that's what Mary's done. She has come uh, to give the sacrifice. And while it was a baby's birth that made a woman unclean, thank God it was illegal, illegal to bring your baby as the sacrifice. And so um, two things happened instead. What would happen is a family would bring a baby um, to ceremonially represent a sacrifice, and then they would bring two animals, a lamb and a bird. Two animals uh, to be sacrificed in order for the woman to be clean. And so Mary and Joseph, they come and they do this, except they can't afford a lamb. They are on the margins. And this detail hasn't escaped me as I've been reading and prepping for today. The law of Moses, though, makes room for people who cannot pay their full price. To quote Walter Wenger in here, how very good of God to make room for the people who couldn't pay their full price. So instead of bringing a lamb and a bird, uh, they outside the courts purchase two birds, and they enter in the temple so that Mary can be declared clean. Two birds as a sacrifice to make a way for Mary into the presence of God where there was no way for her. And this is breathtaking to me. 
that Jesus enters the temple at 41 days old with his mother, who brings her two birds to request pardon before God for what has made her unclean. The Son of God, who will eradicate the entire clean-unclean system, sits at the breast of his mother as she requests pardon for the uncleanliness caused by his birth. That is breathtaking to me. The first thing that happens when Mary and Joseph and Jesus enter in the temple is they meet Simeon. Simeon, he's the priest who will accept uh, the ceremonial sacrifice and he will bless the baby. And the Bible tells us this detail about Simeon's life. He, uh, the Bible tells us that he has refused to die before he sees the Messiah. I like him. Again, how very good of God. He refused to die, and so the Messiah shows up. Simeon doesn't just see Jesus. He holds the Christ in his hands, and he blesses him. How very good of God. And then comes Anna. The Bible calls her a prophet. She was. Uh, Frederick Buechner says that a prophet is more a spokesperson than a fortune teller. I think he's right. Prophets, they agree with God about what is, and they agree with God about what's coming. And Anna, when the baby Jesus and his family came to the temple, she agreed with God that this baby was the Christ, the Messiah, the, the one God's people were waiting for. She did not know that a 41-day-old baby uh, was Jesus because a 41-day-old baby does nothing spectacular. It wasn't like he did something and she was like, oh, that's the one. She knew because for 84 years she had been waiting and listening and hoping for an entire lifetime. Anna uh, was old. In our version today, it says that she was 84 years old. In other versions, it says she had been a widow for 84 years. Uh, she was married for seven years, it tells us, and then she was a widow for all of the years uh, after that. Uh, there's a chance she was well over 100 years old. Anna has been mourning and waiting for what most of us will live as a lifetime. She has been hoping for an entire lifetime. Anna, uh, she was probably never not at the temple. She was never not waiting, never not fastening, fasting, never not listening for what was coming. Uh, lots of people were waiting on the Messiah. Um, uh, an entire people group, all of the Jews, everyone that was a person of God was waiting for the Messiah to come. But most of them were waiting on someone or something that looked more like power. They were waiting on something that probably looked, had a horse and a sword, uh, at least. I don't know a lot of 41-day-old babies with horses and swords, but maybe you did. I don't know. Um, but, but Anna, she agreed with God. And so when he showed up, 41 days old, completely at the mercy of his mother to feed him and clothe him and comfort him, and, and lead him, Anna saw him, and she knew, this is him, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. And then the Bible tells us she told everybody she knew. I think that Anna is fascinating. Honestly, um, Chad, our associate pastor, is one of uh, my closest friends uh, in the world, and, and, and so I feel like I know him. But reading Anna, I understand Chad on like this whole other level. Um, uh, if you know Chad, then you know that he is never not fasting. 
Like, he is always fasting. And he's taught me, and I'm like, you know, I fast sometimes, but really I don't understand. So I'm always, like, trying to be cool about it and figure it out. Uh, Like, uh, we meet a lot during the week, and usually at Vienna, and I'm like, do you want some food? Or a drink, you know, and he's like, no. And I'm like, because you're fasting or because you're not hungry? You know, and I'm, I'm not very cool about it, but I'm, I'm trying to be cool about it. Um, and then I try to figure out if he's fasting, what's he waiting on? Like, what is it for? But, you know, in the Bible, you're not really supposed to talk about it. So uh, Chad doesn't talk about it. Um, but when I sat in our story for today, what I realized is that Chad is always waiting on the very same thing that Anna was waiting on. And that is for the kingdom to come. And like Anna, Chad is always waiting. And he's always listening, and he's always hoping, and so was she. Anna was never not waiting, never not listening, never not hoping. And I think that sounds lovely, doesn't it? It sounds so wonderful. But the older I get, the more I think that hope is one of the riskiest things we ever do as a person. You ever tried it? It is So risky, like hope sometimes is sparkles and butterflies, and sometimes it is excruciating. Just ask my mom in the Today Show. Just kidding. I'm joking because uh, hope is uncomfortable for me to sit in because it is vulnerable, and it is messy, and it is exposing. To hope means that we risk deferment, we risk uh, disillusionment, we risk disappointment. The Bible even says it in in Proverbs 13, the Bible says that hope deferred makes our hearts sick. I wonder how much of Anna's 84 years was spent in heart sick waiting. Uh, Hope is risky because there aren't always good answers for why we have to wait for whatever it is we're waiting on. But Anna, she waited anyway. And then one day, he showed up. Not on a horse And not with an army, in fact, not with any power at all. Jesus, he showed up the complete opposite of what most people expected. He showed up in the most dependent way a human can show up. But he showed up. And when I imagine it in my mind, I just think that her uh, wrinkled smile, it must have stretched for miles. We know her words did. She told everybody she knew. We aren't that dissimilar to Anna, I mean, Chad is the most similar, but we're not that dissimilar to Anna. We wait too. We hope too for what is coming, for the humble King Jesus who will return and put all things back to right, who will make all things new. And as we wait, we dare to hope in all kinds of ways. And like Anna, we don't hope in vain. Hear me, we do not hope in vain. It's uh, why we wait together. I think part of the reason that Advent is so communal is because we wait together, because we're supposed to hope together, to believe for each other when we're struggling to believe on our own, to cheer each other on for 84 years, if that's what it takes. We hope together. So I want to personalize this a little bit uh, for our Selah uh, today. We, at this point in the service, every week here at the Vineyard, we do something we call Selah. It's just a quiet pause at the end of the sermon um, to not move on too uh, quickly. Um, last week, we talked about setting uh, an intention, and that feels very Advent uh, to me. If we're going to wait together, we might as well wait on purpose. And so I would be curious to know, um, what are you hoping for? 
Like in this season or um, right now in your life, what is it uh, that you hope for? What over the next four weeks could you risk hoping on? Could you risk drawing near uh, to Jesus to wait expectedly on? Uh, there's a German theologian that I like. His name is Jürgen Moltmann. If, if a couple of people looking for baby names here. Um, and, and Moltmann has a unique perspective because he was a POW in World War II. Um, uh, but one of the things he says, I love this. He says that one of the jobs of hope is to bring everything into the light and into the promises of God. Uh, so with that in mind, let's spend a few minutes and do that thing. Let's allow hope to bring us in our waiting into the light of the promises of God.